Welcome back to Whitebird Mutual Aid on 97.3 KEBW-LP, Eugene, Oregon. I'm Hannah Francis. Here, we look at Whitebird Clinic's impacts and interactions within the communities of Eugene and Springfield, Oregon. We take a look at the past, present, and future of this organization. This episode, I had the honor of speaking with Nicole and Teresa, who work at NEST, Navigation and Empowerment Services Team. NEST is designed to help adults experiencing homelessness navigate available resources and sign up to receive assistance. Services offered may include assistance in accessing primary medical care, case management, and advocacy, outpatient drug and alcohol treatment, group therapy, drug detox, mental health counseling and evaluation, SSI and SSDI assistance, and transportation to appointments. As of mid-August of 2021, there were only 13 employees working to provide these free services largely to the unhoused population of Eugene. I think what the public doesn't really understand people who don't do this work, that it's not um, as black and white as they think. Someone doesn't have a house, put them in a house, they'll be fine. It's not how that works. You know, there's people out there who don't feel good going to the mailbox unless they've had a shower. Imagine not having one for three months and then having somebody tell you, look you dead in your eye and say, why don't you just go get a job? Well, why don't you just apply for apartments? Because they haven't showered in three months because nobody wants to let them use their facilities. Mm -hmm. We just don't have facilities available or they can't do laundry, so they don't have any clean clothes. The clothes that they have are what, you know, somebody threw away in the garbage, you know, or somebody gave it to them in donations. So yeah, they're walking around in a pair of torn pants and a shirt that's ripped and stained, but at least it's on their backs, you know, it's cleaner than what they had before, you know, to have a clean pair of socks to be able to take off socks that are rotting to your feet because they're so damp and you've had to wear them for so long and put on fresh ones. Those are the things that they don't tell you in the brochure when it comes to what our people go through. You know, this, these are your neighbors, folks. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and how do you apply for a job if one, you haven't taken a shower and you have to take everything you want to a job interview, right? Because there's no public um lockers or anything shoot we don't even have public restrooms as far as i know i mean there's probably a couple out there that people can use but for the most part there's There's really no bathroom access for people people spend the majority of their days trying to figure out where they can go to the bathroom where they can access food and a safe place to sleep and that safe spot to sleep is a really big issue as well because there's not a lot of safe places and our people are targeted and it's Mm -hmm. it's really it's scary. And then we get into the whole other side of that, you know, with our female clients, they're exponentially more in danger out here on the street. And so, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it it really is heartbreaking because we just don't have the services to meet the needs of the people. I mean, we're trying, I think the best that we can hope for right now is um, more sanctioned campsites, which, mm-hmm. you know, is still inadequate. Nobody wants, who wants to live in a tent during the cold of winter or a hundred degree days. 
And then those folks don't want to leave their tents to go to the cooling centers or the warming centers because all their stuff will get stolen. And so it's really, it's a cycle that people are stuck in here and it's really hard to get out of once you're there. Um, we have a lot of clients that I know if they could just get a leg up, they'd be able to be successful, but they've been out here for years because they can't get that leg up. It's amazing um, how powerful a locked door is. To be behind a locked door where you know that you're safe, where your belongings are safe. So powerful. And that has turned the page for so many people um, that I've met doing this. I've been with the clinic for 11 years. And when I very first started, there was no rest stops. There wasn't secure places like that. So yeah, change is possible. It happens, you know, for, you know, as much as Nicole and I right now sound like, you know, everything is so dire. There's been great growth. And I am so appreciative of all of the agencies that have come forward and advocated and worked so hard for change. But do I think we can do better by our neighbors? Yeah, I think we can. And that starts with security. It's a place for people to put their belongings and themselves and be secure. It's a place where they can get a hot meal. It's a place where they can shower and feel clean and feel good about themselves so that they can pursue the things that they want to pursue like mental health, like medical health. But I think um, the narrative is that, well, th this is a choice. Well, yeah. let, let's go ahead and talk about that. Yep, for some people, it's a choice. You're right, now what? And I think that people get attached to that narrative because it makes them feel better if they're not proactive. Well, everybody's an armchair quarterback, right? You can win the the Super Bowl Monday morning <laughs> with what you could have done. It doesn't do anything for us now. So if, if you really are want a soapbox, it, let's do it. Put your money where your mouth is. Donate to these organizations. We absolutely could use funds. If you don't want to put forth the funds, if you feel better about purchasing supplies, sleeping bags, socks, tents, soap, shampoo. Eventually um, here soon we'll have a wish, a wish list that um, will be attached to our site where people can see what the needs are. This is what we're asking for. You wanna help buy us a case of soap, but also support places like community supported shelters. Help purchase land if you've got land that can be used speak up talk to the city let's get some of these neighborhoods built because that's really what they are people want to talk about you know these temporary shelters or these rest stops really what they are is they're their own neighborhoods they look out for one another they take care of them they are supportive to one another they take care of their area the same way that you do in your neighborhood. So why do these people deserve anything less than what you want in your own home on your own street? The one thing I think too that influences people are like, oh, well, all the trash and all the, you know, feces and all of these things. But it's like, yeah, but there's like next to no public trash cans out there. 
There's no public restrooms. Um, and people are like, oh, well, they left their camp and they left everything behind. Well, okay, so they own a tent and they maybe own an outfit or two. And then they hopefully have a bag that's got their personal stuff, IDs and things like that. But that's rare because people's IDs and stuff get lost often. Um, and so, yeah, when you are told to leave where you've been living for a while um, by the police and you have just a couple hours to get your stuff, obviously you're not going to pack up your trash and take that with you because all you can do is carry what you own and you might not even be able to take all the things that you own. You may have actually gotten four outfits to get you through the week, but you can only carry one because that's all your bag is going to fit. Um, and so, you know, these things come down to a human rights issue, in my opinion. Having a place to sleep, having a place to go to the bathroom and food should really be the basics that <laughs> people shouldn't have to fight for that or walk five miles to access it either. Our people walk around and they spend more calories in a day than they can receive just trying to get their basic needs met. And there's this misconception that people who are unhoused are lazy. <laughs> they work harder to live every day than I do, I'll tell you that. Um, and I get to go home at night and sleep in a comfortable bed, whereas they work their butts off every day to get their basic needs met and then have to start all over every day and don't even have a safe place to go sleep. So, mm. um, you know, those are some pretty glaring things, I think, that need to be paid attention to. Yeah. And also it's like, I don't know, wouldn't, wouldn't you be angry if you were dealing with that? You know, like, right. or like people get really frustrated or like, oh, well, they're not even being nice about it, but it's like, Exactly. Well, I mean, that's another thing. It's like, okay, so if I have a night where I don't sleep very well, needless to say, I'm not my best. <laughs> I might be grouchy or moody or whatever, or not like my normal chipper self. <laughs> like these folks live really difficult lives. And then, you know, people are like, oh, well, I offered this guy a hamburger and he didn't want it. Well, okay. <laughs> um, maybe for one, he doesn't eat meat, or maybe for two, he's afraid to put something in it. So then people are like, well, I tried to help somebody and they didn't want it. It's like, it's, it's just interesting the way people view people right. that are out here as if they shouldn't have any choice or be able to like have opinions about their own situation because they should just be grateful for what they have. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just don't see it that way. How would you say Stover when you're, when you're here? I mean, it's an awful situation. Right. Um, I don't think I could be unhoused and be sober. Like what little bit of respite or escape would you have right. from the situation? I mean, and I have to tell you, I've heard some women out here say that they started using meth because they were afraid to sleep out here because they get assaulted so often. And that might be a little bit too much for listeners to hear, but um but shoot, if we're going to do it, let's put it all out on but the that's, table. That's the reality you know? of the situation. We have clients out here that are sexually assaulted on a regular basis and they don't do, they can't do anything about it because they're, they don't have anywhere to go. They're not safe. And um, reporting it hasn't done them a lot of good in the past. So mm -hmm. these are very serious issues. And I'm not talking just, you know, young, pretty women that are out here. I'm talking about like older ladies that are out here too, elderly women. It's like, it's awful. And it isn't just women that are being victimized out here, but it's much worse for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality. And if you're, you know, if people want to um, explore how this happens, that's how that's how it happens. 
you know, trauma begets drug addiction begets something else. And so it can happen to anyone at any time, right? So instead of trying to play, you know, chicken or egg, which came first, does it matter? This is the circumstance now. What can we do now? You know, there's a reason why you see homeless women wear everything that they own. You know, it's a safety thing. You know, most of us, and pardon my crassness, but um, we'll look at a bra as punishment. Like, we can't wait to take that off as soon as we get home, right? Bra's off, I'm staying home, that's it. For some of these women, it's a safety net to be able to have a bra and underwear. So that's an additional layer that might help keep them safe. That's the reality. That's the reality that we deal with. Those are the things that people don't want to talk about at the dinner parties because it's much more comfortable to us and them. We can look down because we're better. It's not helpful. It's not supportive. It's not how we're supposed to treat members of our society if we are an advanced society. That's who we are, then let's act like it. Let's have the hard conversations hear the hard truths, and then figure out what we can do together. Well, I think one thing happens is that the police department receives hundreds of calls a year about illegal camping. Um, there's nowhere else for people to go. So if the only issue is that you don't like the way the tent looks or something, like maybe call some services, call Cahoots, call Nest. Um, and see if we can check in and see what those people might need would be more helpful than having more police contact. <clears throat> um, I would love to see more human interest stories maybe in the newspapers or like where, because people have this misconception and it's not gonna change unless we have some sort of, I'd like us to see us approach homelessness in like more of a public health fashion. So, you know, when heart disease was becoming this big thing, they were like, don't smoke and whatever. We had these huge public campaigns to bring awareness to heart disease. Well, what if we were bringing awareness to homelessness and the plights of people because it's like mental health and, and um, trauma and all these things that lead to homelessness. It isn't, um, it isn't a failing of the individual. It really is a failing of our society for these folks. And so um, on the bigger scale, I think as a community, we could do better at maybe making, telling the real story about what's going on instead of just showing, oh, look at the eyesore in this camp. Um, <clears throat> I mean, individuals can donate to agencies around town. Um, they can help with purchasing items for people. Um, I, know I would love to see somebody come up with some plots of land where we could put some Canastoga huts or tents or things. Like we're just, there's a shortage of resources. If folks had more resources, if we had more transitional housing for people, we would be able to help a lot of these people get up off the street. A lot of the people out here are capable. They just don't have the tools right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if we were able to have more resources, that it would help us to identify the people that can just be able to get on their feet and get back out and get a job and move on versus the people that are like really struggling with mental health and chronic health and um, 
another thing we see a lot of is folks out here with developmental disabilities and things like that, where they just can't take care of themselves. We get a lot of elderly people out here that are unable to take care of themselves. They need a, they really should be in assisted living. There's just no place for them to go. So I, I think people being more aware and being more empathetic and compassionate towards the situation. I, I think it makes sense that people judge things because it's also really painful to see people living like that. So it's easier to judge than it is to like, wow, what got that person there? Absolutely. You know, so I'm not saying, oh, everybody's bad because they're so judgmental, but like take a step back and realize like, how did a person end up here? What led to, what what made this the only choice or the last choice or, you know? um, Um, Yeah. Let's talk about some of y'all's needs um, and the community's needs. What do y'all need from the community? Oh my God, we need everything. Um, Well, I mean, our main focus, I I mean, obviously the department itself has needs, like we need a bigger building, we've doubled in size. Um, We could use two more vehicles, but those things aren't really what we're pursuing. The things that we really need are tents and sleeping bags and basic need items for clients like snacks and food and uh, first aid kits and hygiene items and um, toiletries and things like that. Clothing, (laughs) clothing is a big deal. Uh, Shoes and socks and stuff like that. So we go through a lot of those things and our funding only covers so much. So um, that is a major thing that we're gonna be relying on a lot of donations and mm-hmm. um, public assistance with that. So, um, because yeah, there's a huge need that we just can't, it, it isn't, you know, we've doubled our staff and it isn't like we were all overworked and spread thin and then we doubled our staff, but we're still all overworked and spread thin because for as many people as we can add, we're still not going to be able to meet the need that's out there right now. So many calls come in on cahoots for a welfare check on a subject that's down and they don't know if they're, if they're conscious or breathing because they, they just called in from a passing vehicle and assumed that that person needed some help, but they didn't know because they didn't check in with them. You know, just asking somebody, hey, are you okay? Is there there somebody I can call for you? Is there something you need? Um, It goes a long way, you know, to humanize someone, especially when they feel, you know, completely overlooked by the rest of society just don't make any eye contact, don't look down, don't talk to anybody, you just keep moving, right? But if you saw, you know, a pretty, clean, well-dressed young lady who was crying on the side of the road, how many people would stop? Ask if she's okay. There's anything that they could do for her. You know, people want to do, you're right, they want to help on their terms. So they either want to inflict help on someone, which is you are going to get this kind of help that I think you need. Doesn't have anything to do with what their actual needs are, you know, but if you ask somebody what their needs are, well, they might just tell you, and then you have a better way of helping out somebody. 
Yeah, there definitely are a lot of calls that go into cahoots that are for welfare checks that somebody could have just said, hey, man, are you okay? And then that would have saved cahoots a call because they get spread really thin too. And then they could actually help better with the things that need attention right now, people that need transport to the hospital, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, so that would be a big help if people could just take that extra step to just make contact with the person. And figure out who you're helping. You know, are you actually helping this person because you want to help this person or is it for you? You know, is it to, to feed your ego? Is it to give you something to talk about the next time you run into your buddies and go, well, yeah, I tried to do this. You know, is it a way for you to justify your position on why there shouldn't be any more services and, and why people should pull themselves up by their bootstrap because I tried to do this and, and they didn't want it. So that means that that's how it is for everybody. And that doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, and you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you don't have boots. It, you're right. I think just, I don't know, being a human being and treating yeah. other humans like human beings. Right? You need more empathy. I, I, yeah. I, I really think that that would, that, would, that would make so much. I mean, we need more shelter and everything else. But I think if we had more empathy um, within the community, we, we'd be better off we'd be able to meet more of the need out here. So I think people would want to be more involved if they just had a little bit of empathy for what's going on. Yeah, a, a person I know and, and respect a great deal uh, used the phrase, you know, calling people in instead of calling people out. We're so good at calling people out. Boy, we love that part, right? Where somebody gets theirs, they just got got. But what we don't like doing is the work of calling people in. You know, and that's where you, I, I think doing these kinds of interviews really, really help. Like you are effective in, in what you do for that particular reason. It calls people in, people who really want to help, people who don't understand how they can help or what that looks like. You help them hear that message. And that's really important. So thank you for the work that you do as well. Yeah, thank you. It's important to call people in, and I think you do a good job at it. So, thank you so much. I really. Yeah. That's how we can do that. Start calling yeah. people in. Don't be so fast to call somebody out. You yeah. know, when you hear somebody with that kind of negative image, like if you know the facts, help them learn. You know, help them learn that statistically, you know, these aren't people who are coming from, you know, Sheboygan or whatever, here to take your precious services no they're from here they're part of your community yeah they're you know that's another thing is i think people look at people and they make judgments but they don't realize that this could easily be your grandma your grandfather your sister your brother your mom your dad like you know and yeah it's just it's a, a rough situation out here for folks but and conversations it's not all hopeless this is how it starts this is the light at the end of the tunnel that gets brighter. Yeah. When we have these conversations and we have people like yourselves, like your listeners who care enough to, to hear the message, to want to know what the needs are and then be proactive. So. 
And we need this more now than ever because this problem is only going to get worse. It's estimated that an additional 60,000 people will be unhoused by the next, by the end of the year or by within a year because of COVID. And, um, and so it's the problems are only going to grow. And so we really need community support to make it better, even if that's like, again, just a change in attitude. You know, you can only, if you call people in um, instead of calling them out, then there's an opportunity to learn, to grow, to change minds. And so if somebody walks away from, from listening, you know, to this and thinks to themselves, yeah, I, I could actually do better. All right, then that's one. We'll just keep plugging away. And sometimes that can be as small as just smiling at the person on the corner and acknowledging that they exist. I can't tell you how many people have told me they feel invisible out here. Yeah. And to me, that just makes me cry, like really. Um, so just remember that these folks are people and they have feelings and they're doing the best they can. Like really, truly people are doing the best they can with what they have right now, for sure. You know, I have to tell you, sometimes it's like, how do you keep my, my son, he, he thinks this is just, he's so saddened by our state of the homeless, the homelessness out here. And he's like, how do you do it, mom? And I'm like, wow, you know, some days it feels really exhausting, but the people we serve are some of the most amazing, resilient, strong people that I've come across. And they inspire me in a lot of ways to be able to get up every day and do this. I'm like, wow, they can get up every day and do this. I can definitely get up and meet them there then. And, um, and I think that that's something that gets lost also. There's so much judgment of people that are unhoused as if somehow that makes you less of a person. And it 100% does not. Um, we, there's a lot of amazing people out here that are just struggling. huge thanks go out to all the people that made this episode possible and most of all to Nicole and Teresa for contributing their time and voices to this episode. You've been listening to White Bird Mutual Aid on 97.3 KEPW-LP, Eugene, Oregon. I'm Hannah Francis. <laughs>